Hey you guys, this is the Coupling Spire podcast. Here's a couple of things you might need to know or maybe you just forgot. I'm Taylor, a volunteer firefighter and also a firewife to my favorite firefighter. Join me as I talk anything and everything fire related. I don't claim to be an expert. I just love to talk fire and I'm not afraid to get into real and deep discussions. Everything I say is my own opinion and does not reflect the opinions of any agency or organization I am associated with. Let's get on with the episode. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Couplings Fire podcast. This week we have a very very fun guest. Uh one of the one of these guys I can I can now call my friend after talking to him for what about 10 months or so over on Clubhouse and we've had just the best time getting to know each other and so he went through something not that long ago that I've always been interested in. And I, I wanted to get a firsthand look into the process of ordering a fire truck and going through the process with a company. So I have my friend on here, Chief Stephen Bridges. And Chief, if you'll just tell people just a little bit about yourself. Uh, good afternoon. Um, Stephen Bridges. I've uh, been in the fire service about 28 years now. I am the chief at Pumpkin Center Fire Department in Denver, North Carolina. Also a paramedic for Lincoln County EMS. So I stay pretty busy. <laughs> Got into the fire service. Um, my dad and my grandfather were both firefighters. I had an uncle that was a firefighter as well. Um, my dad was also a paramedic as well. So um, as much as they tried to steer us away from those paths, uh, my brother and I both ended up being firefighter paramedics. So that's how we got going into that. I joined when I was 16 as a junior member and been here ever since. So I got to ask, so you're saying how your parents try to kind of steer you away from that. Is there, do they have a re- specific reasoning behind that or? Um, not so much the firefighter side of it. My dad tried to steer me away from paramedic, but, uh, you know, just the fact of being away from family, you know, weekends, holidays and stuff so much. Um, I wouldn't say they actively tried to steer us away from it, yeah. but you know. More caution, they, probably. Yeah, caution, and they encouraged us to explore other avenues as well. So. Well, that's great. Like, and and you you, there's something to be said about tradition and about especially family tradition when it comes to the fire service. So many firefighters out there, parents and grandparents and other, other people have been through this and just tends to be, this is what you do. Not on, not because it's expectation, but it's just, it's part of your family, part of what you're made for, part of what makes you feel a part of everything. And it is still exciting though, to see parents allow kids to open up to other possibilities if they want to. And then it's still amazing to see how many do come back to the fire service because that's what they want. Yeah. I, I, um, my brother, he, he was right into it. He didn't really explore much anything else. I did go to college, um, tried a few other career paths and they all ended up back here so (laughs) awesome all right well let's go ahead and start getting into this because like I said I'm I'm generally just so curious about it I've never really heard of heard of this process before and so for everyone listening uh chief actually gave me a great idea yesterday when we were talking about this episode when we were getting ready to plan for it and stuff but I think we're going to, I'm going to do a part one and part two. So this is part one today. And we're going to look at the fire department side of of how this works from, from their end, right? Just an outside looking in, go over maybe things they were thinking about, whatnot, when it came to this. And then I'm actually going to be looking into a, a fire truck manufacturing company, right? And, and seeing what it looks like from their end, what they want, what they caution or urge fire departments to look into and things like that and how they steer the customer to what they want, not what the customer wants, I should say, well, in a fire truck and things. So it, I think it's going to be a really good uh, two-parter here. The second part might take a little while to come out, but look for that when it does. So part one, I don't know what to call this other than ordering a fire truck. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I have some, huh? What? I said, that sounds good to me. <laughs> like maybe I come up with some really snazzy name later like as I'm like finishing this up who knows so if I named it something else good way to go Taylor but if not it's just gonna be ordering a fire truck (laughs) so chief okay so when you were looking into 
getting this fire truck. How did you start that process? Was there a specific need you were trying to fill? I just kind of want to know the the initial, how did you even start thinking you needed a new fire truck? How about that? <laughs> so um, with my officer group, we had got together and we'd started looking at the age of our trucks, how much we were spending on maintenance each year, each month on some of the trucks. Um, and we knew that we were going to have to replace them because they had a pretty aged fleet. Um, and then we had a um, very large fire at one of our neighborhoods. Uh, we're getting a lot of new neighborhoods in that didn't have a, a municipal water supply. So we were looking back to enlarge tanker, a larger tanker than what we have. Current tanker only holds a thousand gallons. At the time, the current tanker only holds a thousand gallons, um, which there were a lot of departments that were right in that same line where they were starting to transition into larger tankers. Um, we only have about 50% of our districts hydrated. Uh, so the rest of it was strictly going to be a water haul. So um, we had about a $950,000 loss of a home um, that had a very, had a 35 minute head start on us before we got there. Mm -hmm. We're very limited on our water supply. So we ended up actually having about 11 departments hauling water. So we decided that, hey, we don't want to get her caught with her pants down again. So let's look at when we start replacing trucks, let's replace it with a tanker first. Um, tender for you guys on the West Coast. <laughs> so. <clears throat> no, that, that, I don't know, that that's not a new problem though. That is a problem a lot of places have, um, especially where I come from, a lot of the rural you know, side. Yeah, you don't have a lot of hydrants in the area. You need to call in so many departments to be able to haul water and, and create a shuttle system. And um, yeah, definitely not a new problem. And it, it's not. We had, um, in, in a lot of departments in my county, had went to the, the idea of, you know, we're just going to run engines and we'll put a dump on and make it a pumper tanker. So it's 1,000 gallons of water, 1,500 gallon pump. And it, it did a good job for years because. The average houses were 1,500, 2,000 square foot. Well, now we're getting these larger developments in that are 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 square foot houses with 200, 250 foot setbacks. And the county is approving them without water, municipal water system there. So uh, we, had to, we had to make that step to uh, rectify the issue that was given to us. So, Mm -hmm. I know with a lot of those buildings, um, a lot of those houses, my husband and I were actually driving around looking to, because we're, we're going to be buying a house at some point this year. Um, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed market levels out a little bit, right? But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we're, we're looking into that and we're looking at some of these houses and like they look small from the front. But if you go on to Zillow and look, and if you go around and you do a 360 and go around to the back of these, they're huge now. It's ridiculous. A lot of them are, they, like I said, they don't look much from the front, but they're very deep. And mm -hmm. so with it, that's where we started leaning towards that. So we decided um, we knew what truck we wanted to replace, uh, which our case ended up being the oldest truck right now is a 93 model. So um, we've kind of been in reserve for a long time anyway. So we're going to replace, we're replacing that with the new uh, tanker, which is technically a pumper tanker as well, because we put a a good size pump on it as well. <clears throat> but um, the next step was we selected a truck committee um, and we're a combination department. So we had a couple of our full-time drivers on there, firefighters on there, a couple from the volunteer side and myself. And that's when we started about a two-year process. Uh, oh, wow. So we probably drug it out a little more than we needed to, but we wanted to make sure we we got out. We started going to neighboring departments who had new trucks or trucks that we were looking, something similar to what we were looking to, to build. Mm -hmm. so, well, you're, yeah. you're putting that much of an investment in. I don't blame you at all for taking a long time to make sure you're making the right decision and get all the information gathered that you need. Oh, absolutely. It's a, you're trying to get the most bang for your buck, uh, you know, not only for the department, but for the taxpayers. Mm -hmm. You're looking at dropping you know, $400,000, $500,000 on a tanker these days. Um, you got to get out 
look and see what's out there, see what designs other people have done that you you like, you don't like. Uh, we saw a lot of stuff we liked. We saw a lot of stuff we didn't like. So um, we got out and we drove different manufacturers' trucks. Uh, we knew we were going to go with a conventional cab on this one mm -hmm. to try to save some money as well as getting it's easier to get in and out and haul water sometimes with a conventional cab than it is with a, a custom cab. Mm -hmm. so we we went out and we, we drove Freightliners. We drove the Peterbilts. We drove the Kenworths. We drove all the part most uh, manufacturers that are out there to see which ones that we like, which ones handle the best, uh, which ones we thought would work well for us. Because um, we do have some state highways in our area, but we also have a lot of two-lane country roads as well. Mm -hmm. so, Make sure it handles well on everything no matter what. And yeah. yeah. You can actually get it turned around in a cul-de-sac if you need to in these neighborhoods and stuff. So we, uh, we're very fortunate. A lot of our neighboring departments, not only in the county, but in surrounding counties, we're open their doors, let you come in, uh, look at their new trucks or look at them, their older trucks, let you drive them. Um, so that would be one big thing I would I recommend to people is get out and look and see what everybody's got. Uh, go to the trade shows, you know, those are starting to get back going mm -hmm. again to conferences. Um, so then along those lines, you may find something at one of those trade shows. A lot of these dealers have demos that they're trying to sell. You know, you may find something that actually fits your needs while you're spec in this truck i never thought about that dang yeah that's a good idea for that yep so um were, were there any other than just the the basics you were looking for were there any special considerations that you were immediately thinking of that you wanted to have on the truck or for the truck um we wanted to have be able to capability to carry dual drop tanks okay that was one of the issues with the fire we had a couple of years ago, the large fire was the fact of on the initial alarm, the trucks that were all there, we didn't have that one drop tank that was available. Mm. It would only hold a thousand gallons of water. So it wasn't very practical for a large tanker operation that we're using. And actually at one point we uh, added additional drop tanks to it and kind of married those together, daisy chained them together. Um, but we wanted to be able to carry the, the truck we designed and built was a 3,000 gallon tanker. So we want to be able to carry two 3,000 gallon drop tanks so we can have 6,000 gallons of water on the ground at a given time to get started. Awesome. Um, the other thing we looked at was uh, we wanted to look at was safety wise. Um, we wanted cameras on the truck, not just backup cameras, but cameras on the side. So blind spot cameras. Hmm. Uh, we also put cameras. Uh, this truck has side dumps as well as a rear dump. We also put cameras on the side. So when you're pulling alongside the drop tank, if your manpower are limited, it's easier to spot and see that you're actually close enough to the drop tank to open your dumps. That's a really good idea. <laughs> that would have been so nice to have. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. So we, we saw a couple trucks like that. We, we wanted to uh, mimic that. But then one thing we actually added that a lot of departments didn't, we put a light on that side. So when you activate the power for the side dump, it activates that camera as well as a light. So you can see at night um, mm -hmm. how close you are to the drop tank when you're pulling in. Uh, so so did you, who thought of that or did you see it somewhere or? We, we saw the cameras on a couple other trucks, but the, the light um, mm -hmm. on the guys on the truck committee who actually works as an engineer, one of the larger municipal departments near us, he's like, man, that, that'd be an awesome idea because that's one of the issues they struggle. They have a few tankers in their system. And uh, so that's one of the things is for them, when they're bringing that tanker, it is a one person operation. Somebody drops off the engine and mm -hmm. drives the tanker for them. Um, so he's like, it's terrible trying to line up drop tanks in the dark uh, with no one there to help you. Cause like all of us. Oh yeah, yeah. It's burning. We want to be inside. You know, we don't be out there lining up tankers. But yeah, so yeah, that is such a good idea. It's something that's so it's it's not little, but it's so little that most of us won't think about. It. I wouldn't have thought about it. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's just one of those things we've seen over the years. And like uh, one of the ideas that I brought over from the EMS side was, um, I know a lot of ambulances these days when you put it in reverse, not only do you get the the backup lights coming on, but you get all the scene lights around the truck uh -huh. light up. 
Uh, and that's another we brought over as a safety factor. So there's plenty of light around the truck. So when you go to back up, you can not only see what's behind you, but you got a good um, good lighting source to see what's left and right of the truck as you're backing up. So uh, oh, perfect. Being out in the more rural area of the county, there is uh, you know a lot of places without street lights. Mm -hmm. and, you know, especially running a lot of operations at night, it's good to be able to see what well, can I actually turn around on that driveway, or is there a four foot culvert I'm gonna back off into? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the the amount of times I have I have seen and heard near misses of things like that. <laughs> Just because right. it's night and just because it's rural and, right. you know. Right. And, and especially if you're running into another department's area of mutual aid, you don't know that area as well. Exactly. Um, I had an incident where I backed into a driveway. Well, that was fine. I got out of the road, but nobody told me there was a larger drop off on each side. So when I stepped out of the truck, I dropped about three foot and I was standing in the side ditch. And I was like, well, crap, that'd have been good to know. Mm-hmm because you just couldn't see it because the way the grass was growing up and different things and no light out there so yeah definitely definitely different to deal with than anyone if they're just in the city they haven't necessarily seen a lot of that firsthand so right, right. um the other the other thing we looked at as we did a uh, pto uh, pump on this truck mm -hmm. so it gives the capability to do pump and roll uh, we don't have a lot of large uh, grass and woods fires but we do have some so it is good if we can get the truck off the road we can actually move and pump with it at the same time so that was a another consideration we looked at that i i greatly appreciate trucks that do that after doing wildfire for years it's it's really nice having something especially bigger you don't have to it's not a tiny little grass rig that only holds you know, 300 gallons or 500 gallons or something like that. You're able to, you know, like have a lot more water and not have to go back so much for it. So it's definitely comes in handy. No, th that's really good stuff to think about. Like, and, and stuff that, you know, especially with the time you had and the different people you had on there, because you said you had both career and volunteer on this committee. Correct. To be Great. able to we think about that stuff. Yeah. And, and we're, we're fortunate. Some of our volunteers work other places, um, either full-time, part-time. Uh, as well, so you know we had a, a good a good knowledge base to to pull from. Um, this was my fifth uh, truck committee that I've been on as far as specking trucks. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody else on there, this was all a new process to them. So which is a good thing, I think, as well. A lot of people don't think about is uh, your succession planning when you're doing these things. Is, mm. yeah, so about Stephen's been involved with five truck committees and specking five pieces of apparatus. You know, everything from a, a brush truck to a tanker and engine. Um, but what happens if he leaves tomorrow? He gets another job or he, you know, whatever reason, he's just not here and nobody else has done this. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's always good to bring somebody on who's going to be around for a while or you think would be around for a while who's going to be a good fit for those committees as well. If you use a committee to inspect your truck to give them some knowledge, some experience. Um, and then actually two of our guys that were on the committee when we went to do the final weren't able to get off from their main job to go to the do the final inspection at the plant so we actually pulled in a couple other guys who had never been involved with anything like that to at least go with us out to do the final inspection oh that's so, nice yeah just getting people's toes wet and yep yeah so it, it worked out really well it's a good experience um, but once you get your committee together, we started looking at what we wanted to do, what, you know, going around looking at different trucks, looking at different manufacturers. Um, you know, everybody has their preference on builders. Um, you know, not trying to plug anybody, but we have most of our trucks are one, one manufacturer. Um, but we did, you know, we opened it up and looked outside to see who else was, what they were building and what they could build for us. And we actually ended up going with a different manufacturer than the rest of our trucks, um, just for the fact of, we like the build of their truck, how it was put together. And they were able to build exactly what we wanted. So uh, okay, that's yeah. the thing I would say is, keep an open mind looking at those things, and, you know, because um, there's there may be something new and exciting out there <laughs> that you, you don't know if you don't look for it. So. Mm -hmm. 
it just reminds me of all the, um, you know, being big into cameras and stuff like that. You know, you have you're like three or four big main names and stuff like that. And um, it, you know, you might have some something that um, one name that might be better than this other one, you know, so you may start building up another camera package with this other thing. Not saying you're not going to use this other one or whatever, but they both have their purposes for it. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And then some of the some of the builders specialize in certain kind of trucks, you know. Mm -hmm. You go to a company that they really specialize in building ARF trucks. You wouldn't go there wanting them to build you for you to build their ladder, you know, build you a ladder truck. So Mm -hmm. our rescue that we have is built by a different vendor, but we went with a company who was special who specialized in building rescue trucks. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way to do it. Definitely. You make sure that you get as good as you can for those, for those vehicles. So. Absolutely. So once we got our stuff together, we started writing down what we wanted and stuff. Um, we actually wrote a spec. Uh, and if you don't have any experience with that, a lot of times, especially if you're looking for a certain builder, um, they'll be glad to help you with, with writing a spec. Um, the only thing you have to watch there is making sure they're not writing it specifically for that truck you know for them that they'll win the bid unless that's exactly who you want to go go with oh okay see okay (laughs) then we put out requests for proposals for bids for the trucks um to see and then you wait for that to come back um we did an open we did a friday afternoon we just opened all the bids at one time and decided who we wanted to go with from there the builder we wanted to go with and then um and signing paperwork and <laughs> oh paperwork. <laughs> there's a lot of paperwork. You sign an initial contract. Um, and then they will send you a set of blueprints later, um, which you have to sign off on and then different things as you go along, you know, they will have to sign off on the paint color and then the striping and all the little different things. Each manufacturer is a little different with that, but yeah. So 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 during the process how much back and forth was there on communication like was it you pretty much told them what you wanted and then they build it and let you know what was done or was it was there ever any I guess what happens if you change your mind on something or are you allowed to or oh absolutely um so once we signed the contract um our local dealer or the dealer here in North Carolina that we dealt with um we were back and forth probably once or twice a week depending on um how much we had going on or different things um, with paperwork and stuff. Uh, but then we had a, what they call a uh, pre-construction meeting. Okay. It's um, where you actually sit down on the specs, go through, and if you want to make any changes at that time, you can. So if you've thought about it, you want to change something different, or they have a way they, their standard way they build something, uh, you can always like, I don't want it done this way. I want it done this way. Um, and they'll, they'll change at that point. Uh, usually okay. with those, it also comes a price along with those change orders. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, rightfully so, you know, they're, yeah. Right, so. Absolutely, they've got time on their ends going in. Yeah. Engine, just gonna have to go in and reduce things or whatever. Um, and if it's, you know, if it's their, their standard build and you're changing it on them, that's gonna be more work, labor and stuff on the back end for them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that took us, and, um, some builders, you actually go to the plant where they're going to build the truck to do those. Um, ours was in the middle of the COVID pandemic, so yeah, yeah. We do it virtually. Uh, but we spent about nine hours in a room with the salesperson from our dealer here and a couple engineers from that company online. And uh, we went through line by line in the spec sheet and changed what we want to change. So, hmm. and then once that's done, they will, like I said, they'll, they rework that. They'll send you um, blueprints of the truck. You go through, check in, look and see if everything's right in there that matches up with the spec. Um, and once you sign off on it, then the process starts. <laughs> you're, you're done <laughs> for a little bit. Well, for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a, uh, Depending on what kind of type of truck you're going with, if it's conventional or custom. Um, conventional, sometimes it's a matter of waiting on the actual truck to come from whoever you bought from, a Freightliner, Peterbilt, Kenworth, whoever. Um, 
on the custom truck, they can start building it as soon as they have a space in line to, to go on the line. So, hmm. um, so like with us, we actually end up buying a chassis that another department that had rejected. Um, nothing wrong with it. It was just the wrong color that they expect. Um, so we actually bought that chassis at a reduced rate from the company. So we had to wait for it to go back and be repainted before they would start building the, building the body for it. Yeah, uh, so, not a bad way to go about it though. I mean, if you can find yeah, something out there like that. <laughs> yeah, it saved, it saved us some money. Um, and then it, you know, it did, it ended up adding a little time on the end because they had to go back to Peterbilt to be repainted and stuff. And then, mm -hmm. and they actually took it completely apart and painted it because we do have a different color than most departments. <laughs> I love the color of your fire trucks. It is so different. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, we get a lot of comments on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So how long approximately, at least in your case, did the, the truck building portion, how long did it actually take like once you signed off off on it, ours ended up being about eight months. Okay. So, depending on the at least the builders I've talked to lately, because we're actually looking to start on another um, replacement truck soon, hopefully, uh, they're saying about twelve to thirteen months, depending on what you you're getting. Um, we were fortunate in the fact there was an app, there was already a chassis there; it just had to be repainted. Mm -hmm. uh, we did run it. We did run into some supply chain issues, which held the truck back a little more than what we were anticipating. So yeah, oh, everybody with supply chain issues right now. <laughs> crazy, but yeah, yeah, about eight months. So uh, once the truck um, gets to its final stages, uh, we flew to South Dakota, to where the truck was built at, and um, to the Spartan plant. And we actually did our final inspection. Uh, very, very uh, thorough inspection. Um, that was, was good to have those extra guys that come with us because somebody said, well, why don't you just, you know, well, those get, other two can't make it. You, you three just go out there and be like, no, we want the other two set of eyes on this thing as well. So, um, well, I'm sure it's such a long process for, which it needs to be, right? To make sure you're checking everything over, but such a long process and people get wore out so quickly and you're going to start accidentally, I'm sure, looking over things that you don't intend to. And we, we divided it up a little bit when we got there. So um, I was like very impressed with the process there at Spartan. We used some other builders in the past and it's kind of like, hey, this is your truck. And you're like, cool. Yeah, it looks pretty. We're signing off on it. Um, not necessarily, but that's the way it kind of felt like. It's like, they, you know, some of them would try to rush you through in just a couple hours. And uh, we spent the whole day. We, we got there at 8 or 7.45 that morning, and we left at 6 that night. Um, but uh, I, so we got there, and I had, had a copy of respect for us, even though we brought our own we had. But uh, any kind of flashlights, you know, creepers, step ladders, anything you wanted tool-wise or, you know, that you would need to look over the truck. Um, and we kind of divvied it up and we put two guys just on paint, looking at paint, find any blemishes or issues you find with the paint. I wouldn't have even thought of that to start with like, yeah, yeah, you're getting, since it's new, you got to start looking at all that stuff, don't you? Okay, yeah. Um, flashlights, you, you know, that's a good thing to ask when you go do your final ask them. It's like, hey, do you, do you have any of this stuff there? Or do we need to bring it? Do we need to supply it? Um, and most places do. Um, so, you know, we had two guys that were just literally going over the paint with a, flat, a flashlight up close, looking for any blemishes, any issues that need to be fixed. Um, we had a few more because our truck had been repainted, uh, the, or at least the chassis part had been repainted. Um, and it was just small stuff, you know, something got in the paint or was just, it needs to be buffed out a little more, need to be polished a little more. Um, and then we took two other people that went over all the electronics on the truck, you know, make sure all the lights were working like they're supposed to. The cameras came on like they're supposed to. The dumps were, you know, your uh, drop tank storage racks actually work like they're supposed to. And we took a lunch break. And after lunch, we took the truck over and actually did a pump test at their, uh, they have an indoor test facility there. Um, so we went Fancy. through that, made sure <laughs> the pump, pump actually did what it was supposed to do. Passed its UL stuff. It already, well, it already passed its UL stuff before we got there. UL rating. 
So we did our own pump test with it. Um, we did have a few new things on that truck that we'd never had before. We added a, um, an air primer instead of your normal mechanical primer that's on that truck. Hmm. Uh, so the guys there at the factory made sure we knew exactly how that worked, uh, gave us some stuff on that. And the other was the, uh, we put a pump boss on for a throttle control pressure governor. So they went over that, how to use it, how to program it, if you want to change any settings on it and stuff. So uh, really good, really good information. Uh, they, they're willing to spend the whole day if we needed to just on the pump. Uh, so we spent a couple hours doing that. Now, stop, just to stop you really, really quick, I got to ask you, how do you like that air primer? Have you had a chance to use it much yet? Uh, we haven't used it a lot, but so far it's been very, we like it. Okay. I've heard a little bit about it, but just, just out of curiosity. So <laughs> that's, that's another um, one of those ideas that came over from our guys that works at uh, another department. They have them, they started putting them on their trucks a few years ago. And uh, we actually went, played with one of them for a little bit. It's like, that's, that's the ticket. So, <laughs> All right. Sorry. Didn't mean to stop you. You can go. <laughs> Sometimes I get talking, I start talking too fast. So, I mean, I, anything you want to talk about. Oh no, you're good. You're good. You're good. I'm, I'm enjoying this. I'm, I am picking up so many little things, so many little just information with it. It's just like, Oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's a good idea. Oh yeah. I'm going to remember this. And I'm really hoping other people listening to this right now, hear those, uh, some of the same things or different things that like, Oh yeah, this would be a really good idea. <laughs> um, we, we pump tested it and, um, you know, made sure everything was up to where we want to. Uh, the good thing, to do also while you're doing your pump test is pull that pump panel off um, the cover. So you can look in there and make sure nothing's leaking on the pump before you leave the factory. That's a good idea. <laughs> like anybody just built on a Monday or Friday, they may be, they're ready to go home or they're not ready to be there for the week either. So, mm -hmm. um, but it was, it was all buttoned up really well. So we didn't have an issue with that. Um, after we finished that, we, uh, we went out and did a road test and drove it so I made sure it handled with and without water um, made sure it was going to be able to pull hills and stop like we wanted it to um, it's, it's funny somebody's like oh we're in south dakota we're not gonna find any hills i'm like i'm sure there's a hill somewhere that'll work for us and we actually found a couple so <laughs> um and then the other thing with it being a tanker we wanted to know how fast it would actually dump mm -hmm. on the spot in a business park in a cul-de-sac and went and timed how fast it, it would dump. So I think with all of this, it, I mean, it comes down to the fact it's your truck. You're spending a lot of money on it. If you have an inkling of something you want to know, take the time and do it before you officially, officially pick it up. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the, the other thing is too, is you're doing that inspection and, yeah, it's all to your spec, but you may find something that you want to change. We actually found a few things that we wanted to add um, to the truck after we got there. And um, it was very, had one one thing that got missed in the, in, the, in the building process, which was no problem. They were able to put it back on, put it on. Uh, but we had a few things that we wanted to change. It's like, hey, we want to add this, we want to add that, whatever. And no issue you know it's it's a change order once again so you I mean you're mm -hmm. going to pay for an additional charge but it's uh there are things i think we would have missed we wouldn't have missed if we had went and done our pre-construction actually at the factory and saw because some of those ideas came from walking around doing the tour of the plant going oh man i like that i wish we had done this i wish we'd done that so was that the reason you didn't go out there for that was that because of covid or was that just an extra step that you didn't do so there wasn't so much travel no, it, it was strictly due to COVID. They weren't okay. coming into, the, into their plan at the time. So, um, okay. yeah, that was all, that was all, all the travel was included in with the price of the truck. Okay. Um, Pre-con and then the uh, trip out for the final inspection. Nice. So the dealer, the dealer covers the cross of your airfare, your room and board, like, you know, your room and stuff out there. Um, Does that tend to be pretty standard across yeah that, okay that um you know there's i've heard of some departments i have some friends or chiefs of other departments they're like oh we just pay for that we tell them not to and i'm like yeah i'm just 
it's not adding that much to the truck and you're just yeah. somebody else's headache to deal with. You don't have to worry about it. You just tell mm -hmm. them what day, what day you can go that fits in this window and they, they cover everything. So they took care of the, it was our, our salesperson went with us. So, you know, took care of all the flights, the hotels, he took care of the rental car, you know, um, fed us most days. So I think we paid for like food in the airport on the way back. That was the only thing we paid for. So it's just it's so good. nice not to have to not to have to think about all that little stuff. Absolutely. You just, you know, it's like, hey, we gotta be at the airport at three o'clock. So all I had to worry about was getting my guys to the airport at three o'clock. And we literally then you can just sit back and relax on the flight, or you can like I did watch movies and try to read over specs at the same time, which I'm not sure got a lot done either. Way I was so, like, but, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> I don't know how well I did it either. So no. my ADD gets ahead of me. So. <laughs> oh yeah. It's just, it just, yeah. You're like, Oh, this is so interesting. Okay. No numbers. Okay. Like I, I've done that while trying to work on podcast stuff before other work. And I find myself like having to redo the same work, like three or four times while I'm watching the movie or something. <laughs> but. So, um, you know, once we did the, in the final on that, um, they sent us a list, a punch list of, we went over the, at the end of the day, excuse me, at the end of the day, we brought in there, um, I can't remember what they call it, but they have a team that does the final, like the last little, any changes or any things that need to be repaired or fixed or corrected. Met with the guy over that team, told them all the punch list of things that we found that need to be corrected. Um, they went over, kind of gave us a time frame of when the truck would be leaving from South Dakota and brought to North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing I'm big on is letting the company deliver it. I know a lot of people want to go get their own truck and drive it back. Um, the only problem you have there is you're in an accident on the way back and you get into the whole thing of what well, is the, does the department on it? Does it still own by the, the builder, by the sales company, uh, you know, whose insurance is paying for what mm -hmm. thing. for me, one, I didn't want to make the 20-hour drive from South Dakota to North Carolina in, a, in that truck. Um, but it's just, they have people that are literally, they're, most of them, are, at least for our dealer we bought from, they're retired from a department somewhere. And they pay them, you know, buy them a plane ticket, pay them to go up there and drive it back. Yeah. I know, like, uh, I, I was going to say, I know there was one time we, on my old department, uh, we picked up a fire truck used, you know, uh, from somewhere. And we ran into the issue, not just that, but for other things, for another truck, like if you ever had to take it out of town to get worked on, we had to make sure somebody who's driving it had a CDL. Whereas when we had it in town in our own district and going on emergency scenes, we didn't have to worry about that here. Um, I don't know exactly what laws are for North Carolina, if they're the same or not, but especially if you're taking across state lines, if you can't guarantee you're going to have someone with the CDL doing it, it might just be better to have the company bring it to you. Right. And that's, that's the other issue with that is uh, in North Carolina, emergency vehicle, you only have to have a, a class C license. So you don't have to have any kind of CDL or anything. Okay. We require, require our people to have a class B, which is a, a level up. Um, that's an insurance deal for us. Our insurance company recommends it. Um, but yeah, that's the other issue you run into is, you know, although it may be legal in North Carolina to do it, I don't know what it is in Illinois or Indiana or one of those other states that you're driving back through. Mm -hmm. so it's just easier. It's a turnkey thing. That way, some God forbid they hit somebody or, you know, total the truck or kill somebody on the back. It's, it's on them. It's not on your department. You're not getting drug into that. I mean, as much as we all know, way too much accidents happen all the time. I mean, we respond to them every day, you know, I mean, what's, what's saying something's not going to happen with that truck or with your people on the way back. And if it were me, if I had the extra money that I'd be able to do it, I would rather have them bring it out to me just to save headache. That's the other thing is it's really not that much different. You're not saving that much money by saying we'll pick it up and bring it back. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're literally several hundred, you know, three, four hundred dollars or something like that, the difference. So depending on what dealer and stuff, what manufacturer, but yeah. Just let them deliver. <laughs>
uh, once we finished that, um, they told us what day it was going to be delivered. Uh, we, we came back. Um, we flew out the next morning before we got back to Charlotte. We had a email with all the stuff, and they'd already started working on that day, making repairs uh, that day to some of the issues we found. Or had pictures where they fixed his, some of the stuff. Um, and then it was just a matter of getting it lettered. We got here um, just because we wanted to do our own. Had a, we had a company here local. We wanted to do the lettering. Mm -hmm. uh, doing it at the factory. Um, and then we obviously had to work out financing stuff with the bank, which has been, that was a very painless operation there. So well, painless, that's good. Yeah, I mean, we're, we got a very good local bank that works with us. So awesome. Just getting the information, you know, bands and insurance stuff <laughs> like that every time. So it definitely sounds like a process. Um, and I think, I mean, what you said you've gone through five or so now? Yeah, I've done five trucks now. I mean, it. You're in different, different departments. So. I mean, you can tell you're more comfortable at least now with five. I don't know how you were with one or how that worked or whatever, but. Well, I, so my first one, that was one of those things earlier was talking about with a little bit of succession planning was the first one I was involved with. None of us had ever spec'd a fire truck. Ooh, yeah. Original, all the guys that, that had spec'd those original trucks had retired or had went to other departments and things. So we're like, okay, what do we need to do? <laughs> um. You know, we started talking to some people from other departments, how they handled it. And uh, we made a lot of mistakes on that first truck and stuff that the dealer probably should have guided us a little better with the salesperson. Um, you know, simple things like talking about other stuff that is little, but you overlook. Mm -hmm. um, the first truck that I was involved with, I was a firefighter. We didn't order shelves in the truck. It's just something you don't think about necessarily. Just assumed that there would be shelves in the truck. Yeah. And person didn't say, hey, y'all might want to put some shelves in here too, guys, you know. It's tough too, I can only imagine, as that as that representative too, because you don't also want to tell people what to do. You don't want to be like, you have to have this because you don't know what they're using it for either. So, okay, you know, I get it, but. <laughs> I have a couple couple friends at sale and it's, you know, it's a fine line of, you don't want to step on someone's toes and say, no, you don't want to build your truck that way. Mm -hmm. There are certain things, you know, NFPA guidelines or whatever that you have to, you have to build to, or, or at least be willing to sign the paper and say, we know that it's not up to NFPA. Yeah. But, yeah. So I, I'm sure it's a fine line with that, but um, it's, uh, you definitely have to tell them exactly what you want. You know, if you want a certain kind of lighting on there, you know, if you're if you're really set on federal, or you're really set on whaling or whatever else. Um, make sure you tell them up front when you're doing your specs. Hey, we want this kind of lights on there. Um, which we had a guy on our truck committee that's we pick at him, call him the lighting nerd because he's all about whatever the newest flashing light is. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we just like, hey. You're gonna handle all the emergency lighting and all the scene lighting. He was he was fine with it. So well, that's a perfect way to do it too. It's like, okay, you really like this. This is what you're in charge of. You're gonna enjoy it. You're gonna do it well, and we don't have to worry about it. And we can think about other things. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, is there anything, especially after five, doing five of these? Have you learned anything that would be really good tips or something other than what we've already talked about? We've gone over a lot already for people who are going to order their own trucks. Um, yeah, the, I guess the biggest thing I would say is get out and see what everybody's got, you know, um, because you may, may, may not need to reinvent the wheel if somebody's already got something to work for you. Um, we, like I said, we went and saw a lot of fire trucks uh, some that were in service, some that were not in service yet, some that were, um, you know, if you can get, some people are willing to let you see the blueprints of trucks they've got on orders, that's even better. Um, and, you know, go go to the manufacturer's website as well. They always have like recent deliveries or trucks in progress um, that you can get on and look at. If you see something on there that you might like, um, 
you know, call your dealer and tell them what the job number is. And a lot of times they can get that information hmm. to you. So you look at those things uh, and it may save you a lot of time and effort. Uh, if you find something that you, you like that have already built. Um, like I said, we, we worked on ours for about two years. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time looking around at stuff and um, with a new truck we're looking at starting the spec now that's one of the things we're looking at is we've seen some trucks that we already like so get the job number off that truck when we when we see something that's what we're telling the guys on the committee get the job number off that truck so if you go to spartan or pierce or whoever you're going to and say hey this is a job number we like the way it's built but can you make these tweaks for us these changes for us mm-hmm. so that can save you a lot of time on that as well and uh, I think I mentioned earlier, demo trucks, don't discount demo trucks. Um, you know, they're like everything else. Depends on who specced it and how it was built, but some of them will really do a good job for you and other ones are just slapped together. So take a look at it and it may save you, may not save you any money in the long run. It may, it may not, but you can definitely get a truck in service faster if it's already built and you just got to letter and put equipment on. Yeah, and some departments may really need that. They may just need something that can be good and get out quickly. Absolutely. Uh, we there's a couple of departments near us that in the last couple of years has had some accidents, um, and that's the route they went. You know, it was a demo truck because literally it can be ready to be in service in two three weeks. So, mm-hmm. so when you total um, department that actually got hit on the interstate, three of their trucks got hit. Oh wow. So, you know, that was the quickest, easiest route for them. And I was speaking to one of their officers a couple of weeks ago and said they had no issues out of that demo truck. So this has been this has been a really good conversation. I've learned a lot about this process. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm by no means an expert at it, but it's uh oh yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it is a process, definitely. It's not one of those things of, hey, we're gonna order a fire truck and just pick up the phone and it's here in two weeks. So <laughs> I don't think I ever imagined how long the process would be, even if, even if you didn't spend so much time, you know, going and checking out the trucks and stuff, just how long the, pro- I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, but like, I don't know if I would have thought of that. Yeah. And, and some places, you know, they're bigger departments where they have a set spec already, um, like Charlotte's nearby with us and they, they do a spec for, and it's, the, they buy that same spec for like four or five years at a time. So they add, you know, whatever they order three, four or five trucks every year, it's going to be that same spec for the next four or five years. So they don't change a whole lot on it. So for that, it's, you know, it's a lot of work up front, but then for the next so many years, they don't have to deal with mm-hmm. you know, we got a committee together every year. And what do we want to change and whatever, you know, they make little tweaks as they go along, but it's, it makes the process go a whole lot faster. Oh yeah, I can only imagine. Well then it doesn't matter what station you're stationed at or what what engine or truck or whatever you're stationed at, they're all going to be set up as close as possible to each other. So that, that's why they do it because they they're up to 43 stations now. So you know, if you get timed out to a different station, uh, you're on no matter if you're on ladder one or if you're on ladder 40, you know, the same equipment's in the same compartment on that truck. So mm-hmm. No, that's good. Is there is there anything else you want to touch on when it comes to any of the the ordering process? Um, uh, one other thing I'd say is uh, know what equipment you're going to need for that truck. If mm. you if there's anything you're going to move over from a truck you're replacing, or if it's a brand new truck like you're adding to your fleet, it's an, an expansion truck. Uh, make sure you start ordering those equipment up front and include that in your budget of what you're going to spend if you think you're gonna spend four hundred thousand dollars on a on a truck or six hundred thousand dollars on a truck depending on what you're ordering um you know maybe you need to put fifty thousand dollars into that budget because you're gonna have to buy hose and nozzles and air packs and yeah wow yeah they order a truck and then it's like there's nothing on it (laughs) apartments have done that they've ordered it and they're like oh crap um now this truck's gonna sit here for two months till we get stuff in because they didn't order it ahead of time and they didn't budget for it so they had to wait for the new budget to come in before they could even order equipment to put on it so. mm-hmm. it's something easy to overlook i can only imagine there's there's so much information there so much happening you're gonna overlook something 
And that's why it's good to have that committee. Uh, we had our truck committee, but we also have an equipment committee in our department as well. So we let them handle that side of that of the house. Say, okay, you know, this is what we're ordering. What are we going to need to buy? This is <laughs> what we have. Uh, like the truck we're taking out of service, you know, a lot of the hose on it's fairly new hose. So we're not having to order any hose for this truck. Everything's going to move right over. Um, but we did have to buy some new appliances and and hardware and things like that. We had to order the two. 3,000 gallon drop tanks. Mm -hmm. um, and if any of that stuff you want to be, you can include some of that stuff into your uh, truck spec as loose equipment, your ladders, your drop tanks, things like that. Just make sure you put them in the spec when you, when you order. Okay. No, that's, yeah, good, really good information. <laughs> All right. So I think we're ready to move on to the last segment of the show, if you're ready for this. <laughs> So for those of you uh, who haven't listened before, we are going into the family firefighter survival portion. And I think I need to actually come up with an, an actual write-up of like what this is, because I always just kind of like wing it every time to kind of explain it. But basically, this, this portion is very near and dear to my heart. I want to make sure that our families in the first responder world get a good chance, a good yeah, I'm already doing it. I'm already have no idea what I'm going to say, but <laughs> get, get, get a good chance at life, a good chance at making all this work. You know, um, it's no secret that first responder marriages have different strains on them than your typical marriage where the couples work nine to five jobs necessarily. And with, with what we see, you know, it's, it's so different. And so I want this segment to look into what our family structures look like, how we make everything work between family and work, um, maybe some some unique struggles that we've had with our families and how we've worked through them. Um, so we're just going to kind of jump into it and see what comes up. And none of this is scripted, really. I have a couple basic questions that I ask everybody, and it's just going to be wherever the conversation takes us. So you ready for this, Chief? <laughs> okay, so first of all, overall, what's your, what does your family look like? Um, so uh I'm married to my wife, Shannon. We've been married 15 years. Um, she's a nurse. Uh, we have one daughter, um, Mary Ellen. She's 13. Uh, be 14 in May. 14 going on 24. <laughs> <laughs> sure feels like it, huh? <laughs> yeah, it does. It's, we actually got the thing the other day for high school orientation coming up next week. And it's like, it just seems like you just come home from the hospital. You know? <laughs> on high school orientation so um but my wife's a nurse um it's actually how we met uh, i was working as a paramedic um, she was um <clears throat> in nursing school working in the er and that's how we we met um and uh you know it's been tough uh, especially there for a while um when Marilyn was first born we were both working on nights mm. uh, she was able to self-schedule, so um, daycare at the time was just it was terrible trying to find a daycare to get her into, period. Um, so for about 15 months, we both worked nights, worked around, so we would literally work all night, come home, take care of her all day. Oh, man. <laughs> Go back to work that night. Um, and when she was younger, when she was, for, you know, first three or four months, it wasn't bad because she slept a lot, so... Mm -hmm. You change diapers, you take a nap, you take a nap. Uh, um, but the older she got, um, yeah, I don't think she's taking a nap during the day since she's about eight months old. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we finally were able to get her into a daycare, which helped out a whole lot. Um, then my wife went to a day shift job, and I stayed on nights, uh, mainly because I like the the calls, the type of calls, um, the fact that there were less people just out and about. Um, I was working in Charlotte then, so um, it was just, but we, we had, you know, eventually we had to come to that point of, hey, you got to come to days or we're going to have to make some other kind of living arrangements because this is tough. Mm -hmm. But um, <clears throat> yeah. So, so how was it tough necessarily on you just not seeing each other or was it just, just having those opposite oh, schedules? Man. Yeah, it was the opposite schedule and stuff. There were days where we'd go four and five days and not see each other. Mm -hmm. Because she would go to work before I'd get home and vice versa. I'd leave to go to work before she would get home. So 
uh, depending on how it's scheduled yeah. out, you know, we just may not see each other for you know, four or five days at a time. And some people can make it work. Some people thrive at it and they do great at it. Um, I know I'm not one of those people and it sounds like you and your wife are not either. Yeah, I, it wasn't bad at first. You know, we we talked a lot on the phone, different things like that, but it was just, it got to a point where, you know, we were never, unless we were taking off to go on vacation, you know, we were seeing each other a couple of days a week and it was like, you live in the same house, you should be able to see each other more than that. So. <laughs> So, so how do you work on that? So, did, were you able to just switch today's shifts, or did you? How, how did that work? So, the the place I was working at the time, uh, we were able to once a year we did shift bids, what they called, mm-hmm. and we had to go to a daytime truck. And I had enough seniority, I was able to. Um, so, even though there were a lot of days we both worked to get, you know, or we were, our schedules may still be opposite. I was off, she was working. We were home together every night. So Good. That was. At least got to see each other every night. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people that are on 24-hour shifts, that's not an option, but um, it worked out for us there. It's something nice. It's just a nice reset. Like, I just, so uh, I just got back from a fire conference over the weekend, and it was great, but with Chris doing the 24-hour shifts, I hadn't seen him, I think, for four or five days, and it wasn't a big deal necessarily, but I realized how much you know, just having that reset of just seeing him and just kind of spending a little bit of time with him versus just talking on the phone helped me out so much. It does. It does. And sometimes it's just, for us, it's just a fact of being in the same room, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's times where I'm I'm doing work at the house, but I'm at the house, you know, so it's not like I'm in my office. I'm not gone somewhere. It literally maybe be sitting at the kitchen table and her in the in the kitchen doing something or vice versa or we're both sitting in the living room we're on our computers and i know really isn't like interacting with each other but sometimes it's just nice to be to be at home yeah and, you know, be that close with them um my daughter my daughter's the same way you know she's like oh i want you to be home I want you to be home and then when there she's got her nose stuck in her phone the whole time <laughs> but i think it's just the fact that she knows that i'm at the house and she can come talk to me if she wants to when she wants to so well it's just it's just the presence um you know yeah being home alone right now it's like this kind of sucks some days you know and that's for a while that's why we had a dog you know too it's like some something else there someone else there for me to interact with and when chris is home i can tell my mood's better (laughs) yeah absolutely and the other thing we do is we we do vacation a lot i get some of my friends and stuff kind of give me a little ribbon over it but you know my wife um Last summer started doing travel nursing, um, so that's even more time she's away. Mm-hmm. But that's that's our that's our time together. You know, we not may not be together every day during the week, but if we can go for a week or a week and a half or whatever, or even if it's just a weekend away, um, like I said sometimes it's just a reset you need or the the time you need together. Uh, we're as you know we're big Disney people, so we do. We like going to Disney. We like going Disney cruising. We like going cruising. Period. Um, roll mm-hmm. different, we do different lines. Uh, for a long time, we only did Disney, but we've branched out. We've done other line, uh, cruise lines now as well. So, um, and those are another one of those deals. Kind of like with the delivering fire truck. It's a turnkey. You pay them the money. You show up. You get on the ship. You don't have to worry about cleaning, cooking, entertainment. Yeah, it's all, it's all there <laughs> for you. So. I've gone on a couple cruises in my life and ooh, they're so nice. They are so nice. You just yeah, get on you not a care in the world. You just make sure you don't get left at the ports when they leave. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so that's our that's our game we play when we leave ports is go stand out in the afternoon and see who doesn't make the ship. So <laughs> does it happen that often? Uh I've only well, the ships that I've been on, I've only seen it happen like once or twice, but I've seen some people left with other cruise lines and stuff. So Oh man! <laughs> Actually, in Jamaica, we were in Jamaica one time. We came back to the ship, and they put a family off, a couple off, one of the families, a man and a woman. Um, apparently, they'd been fighting the whole cruise, and they're just like, "All your stuff's on the on the pier." Oh wow! <laughs> um, so, but the uh, I'd say definitely. Well, you know, whether it's vacations, hobbies, whatever, just find something to do to connect with your with your family, spend that time with them. So. No, that's awesome. Is is there anything 
that you that either you've tried or like something even a portion of your life or whatever something you figured out that really doesn't help or doesn't work with these situations it's okay if you don't you don't have to think of something if you don't know anything I think anything you try, you're learning something from it. So, you know, whether it's, like you said, whether it doesn't work or it does work, you know, the biggest thing is try. Um, I used to have a real issue with, I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell anybody, I didn't want to tell my wife what I was thinking where I was afraid it was going to hurt her feelings or something, or I was going to, mm-hmm. the problem was that I let it build up to the point that when I let it go, it all came out. You know? Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, that's probably not the way to go. So (laughs) if it's bothering you, let them, let them know it's bothering you. I am a big, big uh, supporter of, of extreme open communication and like, yeah. Cause if you're right, if you let it sit there and fester inside of you or whatever, and just try to like, not to let it out, eventually it's just going to all explode like a bomb or something. And, and it's just, it's going to make a big mess where you could have just made now I'm like having imagination, imagining like a little kid in the kitchen, making a mess of like, you know, Oh, they like, drop something out of the pan or whatever. And then, then you have them cooking chili or something like that. And just kind of goes everywhere instead, you know? So, (laughs) but yeah, if you're able to do just those little messes are easier to clean up and they're easier to deal with. And, and, and overall it helps you learn your partner better and not just your partner, your kids too, I'm sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, it helps you work through that and you've already been through it. So it's easier to do it the next time. I feel like, um, Whereas if you let it sit and build up, it's going to be a huge mess. It's going to take forever to work through. And it's going to take a lot of work. Yeah. Um, and I think that another thing, just thinking about this, it helps helps us with our relationship. My wife's not a first responder, but she's a nurse. She's in healthcare. So we can at least talk about the day with each other, you know, and um, I think the same way with you and Chris, you know, you, you, you're in the fire world as well. So, you know, he talks about what happened during the day or whatever. He's got somebody to kind of, vent to voice you know at least let deep press let some of those things out whereas uh, i got friends that their significant other you know sells insurance or whatever and i'm like how do you go home and talk to them about that stuff and they're like well we just can't or we don't because they don't understand and i'm like that's got to be tough it's got to be tough it at that point i just well something with me and me and chris too it's like I try to make sure he has somebody else he can talk to too it's not just me i love it when he talks to me and i love talking to him but even I have to have somebody else I go talk to too at times. Um, and it's not anything against him. It's just, okay, what if he's dealing with a lot of stuff or what if I just need a different perspective or a different person Absolutely. to hear this? Absolutely. And that's, um, that's one of the reasons I kind of like clubhouse as well. You know, it's a group of another people that I can talk to that's outside of my normal circle. They're like, mm-hmm. Hey, what do you guys think about this? Is this a, uh, am I really off base on this or. And it's nice. Cause you, sometimes you figure out, Oh yeah. Yeah. I was really wrong about this. Okay. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, okay, this is normal. Other people have this problem too. Yeah. No clubhouse has been amazing and it, it's exciting. Cause yeah, like I said in the beginning, that's how I got a chance to meet you and meet a lot of people on that have been on and it's great. Yeah. Definitely, definitely bigger during the, the height of last year, it seemed like, but <laughs> I guess, no, it's not even last year. It's two years. No, last year. 2021. Okay, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. <laughs> uh, it seems like it's been going on forever now. So My years are starting to, like, come together. Like, I don't know what year it actually is. Not sure when this actually started or when it's ever going to end. So <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But it's it's been a great conversation with you. Is there anything else on, on the family firefighter survival you'd like to talk about or mention at all? Uh, yeah, like I said, for us, what thing works best for us is we just try to try to have those times together, you know, vacation mm-hmm. and whatever it is. Um, I'm actually sitting here looking at a picture on my other monitor uh, from uh, Atlanta Braves game. My daughter and I, we go. Um, you know, she she loves going to those things, so we go to the game, we go to the baseball games, we go to football games, we go to the NASCAR races together. So even if my wife doesn't go, uh, you know, I go with her because. That was one of the things too growing up is I knew my dad, I love him to death. He um but he would work a lot. Not only work a 24 hour shift, but on his two days off, he drove a truck. So it was like we actually didn't see him for 36, you know, sometimes 48 hours at a time. 
he was gone. So, so the times I am home or I have the time available, just try to spend time with them, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a trip, whether it's going to Lowe's to buy lumber or whatever <laughs> it is. So just try to make time to spend with each other. That's a good, that's a good basic rule to live by. Absolutely. All right. Well, th- this has been amazing. Um, I don't know how to close it out now. Yeah, no, I need, I need some sort of like a tagline. Or, I say this pretty much every time I feel like, but I need something to like be able to actually close it out with at some point that'll happen. So it's been great having you on. If people want to reach out for you for any reason, is there a place they can do that? Yeah, I'm on, um, I'm on Instagram, um, Bridges, Facebook, Stephen Bridges, and uh, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So perfect. Yeah, there's, you can reach out to me. Awesome. This has been a lot of fun and I can't, I can't wait to have part two find find a manufacturing company to actually have on and get stuff from their side and what they see and common things they would like to tell people too about it. So thank you for that idea, by the way, I really appreciate that. I was thinking about that as they probably got a lot of stuff. like, Hey, we're tired of seeing people come with this, you know, or whatever. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. It'll be so good too. So like I said, I don't know when that episode's coming out. It might be a while. I hope it's not, but it might be. So stay tuned for it. And whenever I put that episode out, I'll probably reference this one again so people can come back and see this one again. But (laughs) (laughs) this has been an absolutely great time. Uh, I can't wait to talk on Clubhouse again, hopefully at some point later. But (laughs) for everyone listening, I will talk to you guys all next week. As always, I don't know what's happening next week, but it's going to be a good one, I hope. So I will see you guys later. Have a good night, day, or whatever time you're listening to this, and I will catch you on the next one. Thanks for coming by and listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Coupling Spire Podcast. See you next time, everybody.